I think it was C.S. Lewis, I think it was him, who said, with Jesus, you have to figure out, was he a liar? Was he a, a lunatic? Or was he actually the Lord? You know, when you take the things that he said, was he lying or was he telling the truth? Was he just out of his mind? Was he a lunatic? Or was he actually telling the truth and was le- legit Savior and Lord, Son of God, Son of Man? And, and some people, um, some modern atheists have added a fourth to that and they've said, oh, or is he legend? Um, which is, which is uh, I guess, somewhat of a fair, but I'd say unfair question. Because um, usually, like, that's someone who's smart who um, is saying, oh, no, it's legend. And what I want to kind of um, usher us into in this season of Easter is th- there are so many historical accounts. Uh, one a guy's name is Josephus, who wasn't even a Jew, was like kind of anti-Israel, who wrote historical documents about this commotion that this Jesus of Nazareth was causing with the government. And um, there's not a historian who's worth their weight who would say Jesus was a legend. There was actually a man named Jesus Christ. Not his, not his last name. We say he's like Pastor Fell. Christ is not his last name, Drew. That's his title. Jesus of Nazareth. And he was killed by the Roman government. Like that, that happened. And then three days later, something else happened, and it has changed the course of history. And so what we're going to do for the season of Easter, which is uh, seven weeks, just as Christmas is a day and a season, many Christians don't know Easter is also a season. It's more than just today. Um, for the next 40 days, the next seven weeks, 49 days, 50 days, uh, we're going to dig into these, um, these appearances that the post-resurrected Lord had and learn from God, how these people interact with him. Um, before we get into that, I want to um, share a thought with you. And it was a, it was a, a thought, forget what book, I got it from, but it was the idea that the events on Mount Calvary, Good Friday, um, the cross on Golgotha, um, and one way you can look at it and say, that was the greatest dramatic presentation that humans have ever seen. I mean, now we have like Hamilton, and you know, 20 years ago, there was the Lion King on Broadway, and you know, like we have all these great dramatic presentations, and now, you know, you've got great movies, like pick your favorite movie, and there's these, these, these presentations, demonstrations. But really, what happened on Golgotha 2,000 years ago is the greatest drama. In fact, Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite verses says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. <laughs> while we were still sinners, while, while we still didn't have our act together, Christ died for us. For many of the disciples, as we're going to look at today, they thought the drama was over. They thought the act packed up and left the building. But the drama wasn't over. There was an encore performance that this dramatic uh, God of presentation gave us. And so we call that encore Easter. So that's kind of part of the theme that we're in today. Let's go to uh, John chapter 20. We're going to look at 18 verses there. If you have a Bible, uh, if you want to borrow one, there's hard black, um, black ones that are around the chairs. It's page 906. If you want to turn there. And would love for you to somehow, whether it's on your phone, your, your Bible, or the borrowed one, to put your eyes on the text. If you're new here, one of the things we, we don't typically do is put the, 
the, the scripture on the screen, uh, more because I want to encourage you to bring your Bible to church and to look at it with your own eyes and not take my word for it. Um, so uh, chapter, John chapter 20. Throughout, uh, if you know John's gospel like the back of your hand, you'll know one of his themes is signs. He gives seven signs that Jesus is who he says he is. And um, probably one of the greatest signs, the eighth sign that's unofficially uh, not really numbered, is the sign of the empty tomb. Um, as we read, I want you to pay attention for words that um, mention uh, looking, seeing, saw. Um, it will be, I think it's nine times. Yeah, nine times in 18 verses. On average, once every other verse, John is going to emphasize what they saw. Okay? So let's go verse 1, John 20. This is Sunday morning. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, we'll talk about her in a second, came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. She thinks someone stole, stole him. So Peter went out with the other disciple. We know that this other disciple is John, the one who's writing this. So you'll get a kick out of this in a moment. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> like he had a competitive spirit. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes were lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, emphasizing he was late again, and he went into the tomb. So John, uh, John comes and he, John is more, uh, if you know John, he's contemplative. So he kind of gets there and he just stops to take it in. Peter is more of like the bull in the china shop. Um, he, he just, you know, gets ahead of everything. And he, true to his personality, he goes past John and rushes right in. Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Might be, it's a good question. Um, why is this detail important? Why is it important that they saw the linen clothes? Why is it important that that information is, is uh, given to us? And why is it important that it's not in a mess like our hamper? Um, but, but, but think to yourself, why, why, why is John passing on this information that these linen clothes are neatly folded? The other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So Mary Magdalene arrives early. She sees the tomb. The stone is rolled away. Uh, sees uh, that they, she thinks Jesus has been stolen. She runs to go get the boys. Peter and John get on a foot race. John beats them. They see he's not there. They're mesmerized. Then they leave. But Mary, verse 11, Mary doesn't leave. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the other. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? 
She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and once again saw Jesus standing. But she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she doesn't recognize him. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And uh, I think this is my favorite verse in this section. Jesus said to her, Mary, you said her name. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to God, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. There you go. So I wanna, uh, I'm just going to run through some of these verses, and, and I'm just going to drink from a fire hose this morning, if that's okay with you. I'm just going to throw out some things that I find absolutely interesting. Uh, if you look at first ver- uh, uh, the first verse, verse 1, it says, early while it's still dark. Now, what I take away from that is Mary is eager uh, Saturday would have been the, the Jewish Sabbath, and they would have not been allowed to do any work on that day. And so she is waiting. You know, Good Friday happens, and he's put in the grave, and then uh, Sabbath comes. And so she, like a good Jew, is waiting for the first moment where she can uh, resume to um, properly bury him. He was kind of put in a borrowed tomb pretty quickly. Um, in fact, if you know a little bit about this, uh, most bodies who were crucified weren't buried. They were just thrown away into the city dump. And it was Joseph of Arimathea, and um, who's the other guy? There's another one, Nicodemus, who they went to Pilate and got special permission to, to actually take Jesus' body. And, and these, basically, these two, um, two rich men who weren't even close to Jesus, they were disciples but far away, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. I mean, Pharisees get a lot of bad um, publicity for good reason, but let's not forget that it was a good Pharisee who um, preserved Jesus' body in, in the tomb, um, they, um, they, they bury him quickly, okay? Sabbath comes, they can't do any work. Sunday morning, at the very first moment that you can resume the burial process, it's a woman who's there. Not the boys, not the 12, not the apostles. It's Mary Magdalene. She's eager. It's also dark and dangerous. This is before the days of REI LED headlamps. It's before Thomas Edison, if you didn't know. Right? There's no electrical light. It's just, while it's dark, it's very dangerous. So you see that there's this woman, eager, courageous, dark and dangerous. And, and I, I personally love that it's a woman who's here. I love that, it's, that the first person to see the risen Lord is a woman. They were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb. While the boys were scared and, and running uh, for their lives, it was the, the women that Jesus deeply touched who were the most loyal to him, who cared for his body, who weeped for him while he was carrying the cross on the, what we call the Via Dolorosa, the, the way of suffering 
It was women, women who were there. You know, Peter said, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll die. I'll die for you, Jesus. And then at the, the first moment of danger, he denies Christ three times. But it's Mary Magdalene who's there. I just love that. Now, back to the C.S. Lewis quote. You have, to, you have to find out, is Jesus a liar? Is he a lunatic? Is he a legend or is he the Lord? Um, the reason why I believe this is all true is if you're in the ancient world and you're creating a legend, you would, first of all, not use women to be the first person to meet the risen Lord. There's at least three reasons why Mary is the wrong person if you're going to invent the resurrection. So you know, take notes for all of you who have atheist friends. Uh, first of all, she, culturally, this is, this is not helpful culturally. She's a female in the ancient world. Uh, in case you didn't know, uh, being a female was the wrong gender, as if it was up to you. And so um, in the ancient world, if you're trying to convince a bunch of men that this happened, you wouldn't use a woman. So culturally, this is not wise if you're going to make this up. Spiritually, she's suspect. Jesus had cast out not one, but many demons from her. There was a spiritual stigma about Mary Magdalene. When you see Mary Magdalene, you were like, like, she was not like the good churchgoer who's like the awesome church lady. Like she's the sketchy lady who came in church and had a bunch of issues that people had, had struggles with. This is Mary Magdalene, but she's there. And legally, women's words weren't allowed into testimony. So if you're making this up, if, G, if the resurrection is legend, you wouldn't use Mary Magdalene for cultural reasons, for spiritual reasons, or for legal reasons. And yet, the Gospels tell us that it was Mary Magdalene who was the first person to see Jesus. See, um, God tends to work in ways that, that men don't. Um, I love Mary, but to be fair, she has no notion of the resurrection. She thinks he was stolen. And so she's there to finish the embalming process. Uh, it says the stone was rolled away in Matthew 28. We get this awesome account of this earthquake happening and an, an angel rolls away the stone and then sits on it. I just love that imagery. And when I was a kid, I used to think, oh, they rolled the stone away so Jesus could get out. What I now know as an adult is that if you're, um, if you're God enough to rise again from the dead, you don't need someone to open the door for you. The stone was rolled away not so that Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that we could see in, so the disciples could see in. That'll preach. You'll, 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 you'll get it on the way home to lunch. Uh, Mary um, runs to go get the boys, and she goes and she gets uh, Peter and John. Um, now, what's awesome about this is at the cross, you know, uh, Jesus says, John, will you take care of my mother Mary? So we know that Mary, the mother of John, is with, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is with John, but also Peter's there. Peter had denied Christ. And I like, how awesome is John? Like, that he's there consoling. Um, Mary, who's, who just saw her son illegally and um, innocently executed by the government. How, 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 where's, where's her heart? And then you've got Peter, who's a loudmouth, who, who betrayed Jesus just as Judas did. Like, Peter's betrayal wasn't any less than what Judas did. And John's there, being the apostle of love, pastoring both of them. I love that. Um, so they, uh, Peter and John, they run to go see what's going on. I mean, just imagine, this is conjecture, but like what report did they give Mary about her son? I mean, that would have been a great conversation. I wish they would have included that. And, um, and so John, we already talked about John, is cautious. Peter is kind of impulsive. They both go in, 
It says they beheld, which means they critically looked. They, they saw and they believed. And then they saw that the grave clothes were situated in such a way um, that uh, what this means to me is that if, if Jesus' body was stolen, a thief wouldn't go and f- do the laundry and then leave. A thief would just take the body and let the clothes be a mess. And so the fact that they saw the clothes were neatly folded was evidence to them that, that he wasn't stolen by a hurried hand of a thief. If you go on to verse 11, we still see that her heart is broken. She's at the tomb, shocked by the loss, weeping and sobbing. She can't imagine that what Jesus said would happen actually happened. She's talking to angels. She sees Jesus thinks he's a gardener. It's interesting that the story of God begins in Genesis in a garden. It continues in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here, Jesus is buried in a borrowed tomb, which is in a garden. And interesting that, that uh, so we have flowers on the cross. God tends to like gardeners. So it's in the story. She, she's having a conversation with Jesus. She's brokenhearted. She has no idea that she's talking to the risen Lord. And it's not until he says her name which is my favorite part. There's just something in the way he said her name that let her know that this gardener knew her intimately and was the one who had set her free from all the things that plagued her. She calls him teacher, Rabboni. She goes from gardener to teacher. And then there's this kind of crazy, he, he says, don't cling to me, don't, don't touch me, I haven't ascended yet. But go and tell my brothers what I'm about to do. And this is fascinating. Verse 18. Jesus asks Mary Magdalene to go be an apostle to the apostles. He says, go be a messenger to my messengers. Go be a missionary to my missionaries. Go be a herald to my heralds. And and I I, I love that. I, I just can't get over the fact, maybe it's because I have three older sisters and I love them dearly, but just that, that Jesus breaks kind of all the cultural rules here and he says, Mary Magdalene, the woman who I cast demons out that, that legally and spiritually and culturally is the wrong person, why don't you go and tell all the men what just happened? And quickly, she goes and she tells. And that's the first uh, story, the first ap- uh, appearance that Jesus has is with Mary Magdalene. I wonder if you feel a little bit like Mary Magdalene today. Is there um, any way in which you feel culturally out of place? Is there, a, is there an aspect of your life or your identity where you don't necessarily line up with popular culture in some way? And like Mary, you may be on the fringes or on the margins. Do you feel culturally out of place? Do you feel spiritually out of place? Are you, are you kind of, you feel like there's a stigma around you? Do you feel kind of dry or dead or maybe just apathetic, like there's nothing there spiritually? Um, you know, legally, do you feel out of place for some reason? Is your heart heavy? Mary's there. She's mourning a loss that she thinks is there. She experienced, I mean, she experienced some form of the crucifixion. That's traumatic. Like she saw a traumatic death. Uh, is there any way in which you're struggling with some trauma in your life? 
and you feel like you identify with Mary who's there at the tomb, shocked, grieving, mourning with a heavy heart. Is there any aspect of your life where you're misinterpreting the facts that are in front of you? This is sometimes hard to see because um, the problem with deception is that it's so deceiving. You don't know you're wrong because you're deceived. That's, that's part of the trick. Um, but she's looking right at it and misinterprets it, thinks, oh, he's not resurrected. He's been stolen. Is there something in your life that you uh, have some limiting belief or you're misinterpreting what's in front of you? And maybe Jesus is right in front of you, and like Mary, you think he's a gardener. And, and uh, Christ is like right at your fingertips, and you have no clue. You're just, it's not even on your radar. You ever been around someone who's famous, and you didn't know? You, you didn't know? One time I went to Chipotle, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. I, had my, I was looking down. I had, Hayden was like a couple months old. I was paying attention to him, and I just saw this tall this tall presence walked by me and like brushed my arm and touched me. I didn't know. It's like rude. <laughs> I walk in, I look out the window, it's David Robinson. <laughs> like 5-0 touched my shoulder, <laughs> you know? And he parked right next to me. And if I had been paying attention, I would have seen like the greatest basketball player that changed the Spurs franchise. I would have, I would have seen the Admiral. But I wasn't paying attention. Is it like, is, is it, are you having that experience with Jesus right now? Is he like touching you, but you just have no clue that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the risen Christ is right at your fingertips wanting to do something in your life? My prayer is that as we close, you'd ask the Spirit to just open your eyes, to open your ears, that you would see the risen Christ and that you would most importantly hear him say your name. Have you heard Jesus say your name? How does he say it? What's his tone? What's his volume? Let's pray. Risen Lord, we look to you. And uh, we, we just give you thanks for breaking all of the cultural rules. More than that, Lord, you overcame hell, death, sin, the grave, as the early church mothers and fathers called you, you are Christ victorious. That you won the day. You are the hero. You are the champion. I know how we need you. There's so many times, God, we look right at you and we miss you. There's times we're in conversation with you and we have no clue and we just need you to say our name. We ask that you would call for those here who are celebrating with us, listening in, and they have not yet had that experience of resurrection life inside of them. God, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit that you call their name or help them to have that supernatural, mysterious experience of you waking up what is dead inside bringing forth to life the child of God that you see in them. For those, Lord, have been walking with you all of their life, I pray that this Resurrection Sunday would usher in a fresh season, a fresh encore, 
but help us to see you in ways we've never seen. Help us to hear you in ways we've never heard. Thank you, God.